I am Mark. I'm the lead pastor here. I'm so glad that you guys have joined us. Uh, we uh, started Advent last weekend with some Advent readings uh, as we anticipate uh, the birth of Jesus, remembering and celebrating that. That's what Advent, that's what Christmas is about. So with that, we're starting a new series, a Christmas Advent series. Uh, and uh, Christmas can be a great time of the year, uh, so much fun uh, getting together, anticipating this. Uh, but there, there, this could be a polarizing time as well, especially when you think of Christmas music. When are you supposed to start listening to Christmas music? Is it uh, November 1st where, you know, you can start listening to that music right away? Or you're like, no, I do not want to listen to anything Christmas-related or any decorations until the day after Thanksgiving when you get your tree up and then you can listen to the Christmas music, whatever you want to do. Uh, my kids, uh, Margo and Joelle, they're four and six. They'll listen to Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in July. So it doesn't matter to them. Actually, we were on... Uh, the uh, Thanksgiving weekend, we went to Barnes & Noble, and Barnes & Noble, they have like a kid's section uh, for books and things, and uh, so they love that. Uh, they have like a little sub-stage there, and I would imagine that they have like storytelling or somebody reading a book or something like that to the kids. Uh, but when we were there, that Margo and Joel, they just went up there. There was nothing going on, and they started singing Go Tell It on the Mountain, and a kid's version that I have not heard before, but maybe it's for... Um, I think it's for the Christmas program, that, program that's coming up in a few weeks here. Uh, but they just love singing those songs and having a good time. And, of course, there's a difference between the Christmas music uh, and Christmas carols. So, Joelle and Margo, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ was born. That's, that's a Christmas carol about Jesus. A Christ, uh, Christmas music could be Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or All I Want for Christmas is You. I know that Liz loves that song over here. Look at her. She Go sing that song to her after. She's going to love that anyway. Uh, but some of us, it's like, no, I don't want to hear that, hear those songs until after Thanksgiving. Um, and there's a song, maybe you've heard of this one, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year. This is a pretty classic Christmas song, right? Uh, when I was looking at the lyrics for this, uh, the song says, There'll be parties for hosting, marshmallows for toasting, and caroling out in the snow. And the first thing I thought is, who wants to carol out in the snow? I'm like, it is cold. I do not want to do that. Maybe I'll watch uh, John and Perry's, you know, carol out in the snow while I'm like warm and cozy inside. But uh, no, I, I don't even want you guys out there in the cold. Like, it only happens, I feel like, in Hallmark movies, right? Like, who, the, the couple that gets together and they're snowed in, there's a snowstorm, and they decide to walk down the main street of a small town during a snowstorm? Like, who does that? It's, like, almost too idealistic, right? It's the most wonderful time of the year. We're going to have parties. It's going to be amazing, right? It's going to be so much fun. I love Christmas, I love all of that, uh, but the reality is, is that for many of us, it's not the most wonderful time of the year. All those parties, we're, we're busy, right? But uh, in reality, we could be struggling, we could be remembering uh, the last time we spent with a loved one before they passed away, you know, during the holidays. I talked with somebody, you know, going into Thanksgiving, it's like this this is going to be, begin a hard season with these holidays coming up. It's not the most time, wonderful time of the year for many of us. We could be struggling financially. We could be, you know, and with Christmas and everything, it could be so hard to get through that time. Uh, we could be struggling with our relationships at home or at work. Uh, there could be tension there, and it could be, man, this just heightens that. It brings these things to the surface, and it's not uh, the most wonderful time of the year. 
And I'm here to say, if that's you, you know, hopefully this series will encourage you. Uh, because when you look at the first Christmas, I don't think Mary and Joseph, and we'll talk more about this next week, when they're traveling 70 miles uh, to go to Bethlehem for a census and she's about to give birth, I don't think they're singing, uh, it's the most wonderful time of the year. It was, it's, it was hard for them. It was not the most wonderful time of the year for many in this story. And as we talk about with uh, this series, it's called The Cost of Christmas for those uh, people in the Bible that were going through this first Christmas. It, it was hard. It cost them. And then, of course, Jesus, who was born, uh, he was uh, God become a human uh, to lay down his life for us, paying the ultimate price and cost, laying down his life for the ways that we fall short and we can be encouraged to by the salvation that Jesus offers us. Uh, for many people, as I said, this is a hard season. I saw a, it's kind of a dark meme. I don't know if you guys ever watch or, or look at memes and they're kind of funny, but this is kind of a dark humor, so bear with me, humor me, uh, so to speak. Uh, the meme said, giving up drinking until Christmas. And you might think, oh, that sounds pretty good. I thought, oh yeah, you know, you're, you want to get back on track, you want to give up drinking until Christmas and focus on your family and, and on Jesus or whatever it might be. But then the meme said, oh, the punctuation is wrong. It said, Giving up, period, drinking until Christmas. And right, you're, you're like, is it okay to laugh at that? You know, because <laughs> it's dark, right? It's like, wow, but there are many people where it's like, I'm done. I'm done going into Thanksgiving. I'm done going into Christmas. I just want this to, to, to be over. I want this to be done. And I'm here to say, if you are, have, that's you, I've given up. I'm glad you're here. And if you're watching online, maybe you couldn't even come in here, but you're watching online. I'm glad you're watching. It shows actually you're holding on. So thank you for holding on. And I'm here to say too that I haven't given up on you. Many here are, are, haven't given up on you as well. Uh, Jesus himself hasn't given up on you. So with that, we're, we're going to take a look at Mary and Joseph. Uh, and um, uh, and they, they had a, a hard a time, as we're going to see in Matthew, who was a follower of Jesus, a disciple. He was a tax collector and gave his life to Jesus, followed him, and he records this story in Matthew chapter 1. If you have a Bible, you can open it up, um, and otherwise I'll read it to you here in a second. So in Matthew, he records Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His, Mary, uh, his, mother, uh, his mother Mary was pledged uh, to be married to Joseph. Uh, before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So Joseph and Mary, they faced this hardship where they might have had different plans in mind. They were uh, betrothed. They had this arranged marriage. They were going to get married, and they were going to have kids after that. And now this throws a wrench into everything. They, and they have to wrestle with some things, as Joseph is. And this isn't just, uh, you know, you're dating somebody, and, or you're not married yet. You can just break up, and it's all fine. As you can see, Joseph had to consider divorce. This was different than we might think of uh, dating or engagement today in 2022. It was, it's even different than what happened here a few weeks ago on a Sunday morning. So uh, Joelle, uh, my kindergartner, she 
participated in a, a, a pretend wedding uh, in the children's ministry over here with another young man, a kindergartner. So, but I'm here to say uh, that I did not officiate this. This was not official. It was not binding. There needs to be no divorce lawyers or any judge involved in such a thing. But, you know, that's funny, and like I said, it's way more than that with Mary and Joseph. They, uh, they had this arrangement, and Joseph had some options that he needed to consider. So now in the first century, of course, in the Old Testament, it said that someone could be stoned, you know, for such a thing, but this wasn't really practiced in the first century. So Joseph could have publicly disgraced Mary. And if he were to do that, it would ruin her life forever, because no man's going to want to marry her uh, uh, after this, after this gets out. And here she is going to have a son and be a single mom and try to navigate that in the first century would have been super difficult. And then when Mary's parents would pass away, uh, she would be all alone with no help at all. So that would have been an option for Joseph. But uh, he is a righteous man wanting to do the right thing, and he wanted to minimize the damage, so he decides to uh, do this quietly, to have this divorce be, you know, a quiet and minimize that, to not publicly disgrace her. And then in the middle of all of this kind of messy domestic issue, Matthew says, this is how the birth of the Messiah came about. The birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. It's like, really, this is how you want this Messiah to come about, God? Are you sure that you want to do this? Uh, this is how it's going to play out? Uh, and the Messiah means king or, or anointed one, like anointing a king uh, with oil to kind of inaugurate, initiate, hey, this is God's chosen one, the Messiah. This is the one that's going to be symbolizing anointing that's filled with God's spirit and strength and wisdom. This is how you want this to come about? The answer is yes, right? God, God shows up in these kinds of situations. Uh, in Jeremiah, the prophet, he's, this is a prophet in the Old Testament, a messenger of God. He says, uh, of, of this Messiah that is to come, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David, King David, he was the greatest king in Israel, from his family, he's saying, a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right. In the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteous Savior. So you might be thinking, what does this mean, this branch? Well, it's a, it's a metaphor and analogy. You think of a branch that comes out and it shoots out and it has the leaves to provide safety, security, shade. Uh, this branch could bear fruit to, to point to prosperity and fruitfulness. This is what God uh, was promising through this Messiah, through this king, uh, this righteous branch of, of David. And one way, too, if you're like, what does the word mean in the Bible? You could think, well, what is the context? What does the verses around it say? So we could see this righteous branch is going to do what is just and right in the land, so to act justly and uh, in the days of Judah, which is the southern kingdom of Israel, uh, will we'll be saved in Israel. The northern kingdom will live in safety. So the branch is going to provide these things and will be called the Lord, our righteous Savior. But I'm here to say that in the middle of hardship, the Messiah is born. In the middle of hardship, 
the Messiah is born. So this isn't just like when things are going smoothly and, uh, you know, there's no issues. And that's when Jesus is going to show up like, oh, yeah, things are going good. I'm going to show up right now. No, he shows up when it's hard. Uh, The story that came to my mind, and um, thankfully I'm at a different church now. I'll share this. Uh, The former uh, youth pastor, the church I was at. So I was moving to, uh, to Lakeville, Minnesota. Uh, and we had a bunch of people uh, help us move, which was a blessing from the church. And uh, and people were kind of coming and going. It's a few hours to do. And then finally we're done. And the youth pastor, he comes and he's like, okay, I'm here. And I'm like, well, we're done. And he's like, perfect timing, right? It's like all the heavy lifting is done. And sometimes we might think, well, is that when Jesus is going to come, right? All the heavy lifting is done. Everything is finished. And then he shows up. It's like, no, he shows up when it's hard, when the heavy lifting needs to happen, that that is when the Messiah is born, not when things are easy. So I'm here to say, if you're going through something hard, and you might think, well, let me try and figure it out on my own. Let me just try harder, do harder. Let me fix my life. Yeah, I've given up and I want to drink till Christmas, but New Year's, I'm going to have a New Year's resolution and, and give that up. I'm here to say now's the time, not waiting until the hardship is done, not waiting until you figure it out. It, it is when you are struggling, that's when Jesus shows up. So Joseph, he is uh, considering uh, divorcing Mary quietly, and he has a dream. So it, we hear about this in Matthew 1, uh, verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. I'll stop there for a second. So here we see Joseph, he has this dream, this, this angel, a messenger from the Lord is telling him this to uh, Joseph, son of David, from the family of David, King David, not to be afraid. I would imagine you see an angel, you have this vision many times, uh, these messengers from God, angels will tell people to not be afraid. But he says that Mary's conceived of the Holy Spirit. Uh, now, there are, I don't know if you guys have ever heard this, but there's other narratives, other things out there around this time about other kind of virgin births. And some people think, oh, is this is just the same uh, from these other accounts, these other ancient uh, religions or whatever. Uh, but in reality, those other ancient religions, when there's like this virgin birth, it's sexual in nature. But here, this is not, there's no implied or, or explicit anything that has to do with, you know, be, you know being uh, Uh, having sex or anything like that, that this is conceived of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit overpowered uh, and came on Mary. And this is a miracle that she would have this, uh, have a baby from the Holy Spirit. Now, Matthew, he continues in verse 21, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So Jesus means God saves. That's why Uh, uh, that's why it says here he will save his people from the ways that we fall short. We all fall short. If God's standard is perfection, uh, I don't think any one of us in here is perfect. I'm not perfect. We all fall short of God's glory. Uh, what, how we're supposed to uh, live for him, how we're supposed to love each other, we fall short in those areas. So Jesus came then to save us. Matthew, he continues, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
So Matthew, he's quoting this other prophet named Isaiah in the Old Testament. And, um, and Isaiah talks about this here in Isaiah 7, uh, uh, chapter, chapter 7, verses 14 through 16. Here, I wanted to read a few of these verses to give you a little context here. So Isaiah 7, verse verse 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and and will call him Emmanuel, which is God with us. He will eat curds and honey, and when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, uh, for before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. So I'm thinking, what is going on here? Well, Isaiah, he's speaking to a king, Ahaz, and he's scared, it seems like, especially what we read in verse 18. He's talking about these two kings that he dreads. So these two kings are the king of Israel and Syria, and he's dealing with this political situation, uh, and, and he's being encouraged to hear that, hey, God is going to be with you. Uh, there's going to be a son, Emmanuel, God with you in the midst of this mess, in the midst of this hardship that Judah is facing the southern kingdom that God is going to be with him and save him. So in the middle of hardship, God is with us. He was with the people back then with King Ahaz. He continues to be with us. And then as Matthew looks back at that time in Isaiah, and as we look back, we can see that Jesus is that ultimate fulfillment of God with us in the middle of pain, in the middle of hardship He is with you. In the middle of it's not the most wonderful time of the year, you want this time to be done, to be over, he is present. So Matthew, he continues uh, with Joseph's response. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. So here we see in the middle of hardship, Joseph, he responds with faithful obedience. He responds with faithful obedience that Joseph, as I look and look at his life, he actually could have disgraced Mary publicly, but he decided to minimize the damage to, to divorce her quietly. He didn't want to do that. And then when God speaks to him, he responds again with faithful obedience uh, to say, okay, I'm going to marry Mary and I'm going to move forward with this because this is what God is doing. So when we face hardship, we need to have that kind of conviction. It's actually hard to be faithful, right? When we are stressed, when we're anxious, when we're in pain, when we're mourning. This is why even when we're these outside things that can cause us to drink, to go to addictions, to all these things is because it is hard to respond faithfully when we're faced with hardship and struggle and pain. Uh, it could be hard when we face conflict. Uh, the example that I came to my mind is when we were going through First John here in the last series where John encourages the followers of Jesus to love one another. Uh, and that could be hard because guess what? Nobody is perfect. We're, we're going to say and do things and hurt each other. And how do we do that? We need to have that conviction that we're going to love no matter what. We're going to seek unity no matter what. To have those even before a hardship comes about, uh, we, we need to have those convictions before we face those things. Or when we see a social media post that, you guys know, we all see these that just fire us up. It's like, all right, let me get my phone out. I'm ready to respond with a knee-jerk reaction that I might have to delete here in a minute after I post it. It's like, no, if, if we have convictions beforehand, 
that before something comes up that, hey, no, I'm going to respond in love. I'm going to be uh, slow to speak, quick to listen. Uh, if we have those things, uh, then we can respond faithfully. But that takes, that takes time. Uh, or as we see here, and I want to be really empathetic toward this, over the last four or six years, we're, we, we're seeing people attend church less often. Uh, we're seeing people believe in God, especially in the United States. The, the, that percentage is decreasing uh, at an alarming rate over the last four or six years. And we were seeing people not come back to church since COVID. That is hard. It is hard. Because in the middle of hardship, it's hard to respond uh, faithfully because we're just tired. We're just weak. And this is where I want to be empathetic because we've all been through it. We're probably, many of us are tired. Many of us are weak. Maybe many of us are hanging on by a thread. And I want to encourage you that God isn't just saying to just pull yourself together and just, and just you know, uh, figure it out yourself, or God isn't saying, you figure out the hardship, and I will show up when it's over and done with. No, God shows up in the middle of what we're going through, in the middle of hardship, in the middle of struggle. And my big idea for us this morning is, in the middle of hardship, Jesus is with you. In the middle of hardship, Jesus is with you. Not when it's all done, not when things are fine. No, he shows up right there in the mess, in the struggle, in the pain, in the addiction, in the anger, in the frustration, and the loneliness. That is when he shows up. In the middle of Joseph and Mary and their situation, he shows up, he intervenes uh, to keep that family together and to fulfill God's purpose that, that Joseph with his faithful obedience and Mary being obedient as well, that we have Emmanuel, God with us. He is present with us. So if you are struggling, I'm here to say I'm glad you're here. I'm glad that you're here. We haven't given up on you. I haven't. God hasn't. He is present. He is with you. Don't leave this morning or if you're online, call somebody, text somebody, reach out to somebody, call the church. Uh, do not feel like you have to go through this on your own. Now, for many of you, it's like, hey, I'm just, this is going to be the best Christmas yet, which is awesome. This is going to be the most wonderful time of the year. I can't wait. That's awesome. Praise the Lord that you are in a great place. Uh, but we also have an opportunity to be a blessing to people who are struggling, to, to show up for people who, who are like, man, this, I can't wait for this to be done and over. They're struggling. So what would it look like for us to be uh, that kind of church to be a people that show up for people who are struggling, who are in pain, in very tangible ways. I was talking with uh, Vicki Peterson, who oversees our free medical clinic. Uh, if you didn't know, we have a free medical clinic that's here. Uh, for the first and third Thursday from 6 to 7.30, anybody can come. You guys can come if you need any kind of basic uh, care. Uh, but she was telling me uh, just a few weeks ago that there was a mom that came. She has a baby, and they were out of diapers. They're just... She had no more diapers for your baby. That's just like a nightmare, but it's also hard to, to grasp. And she's like, well, we have diapers. Take some diapers. Here you go. We, we want you to have these. You know, and I'm just so thankful that we have this clinic here to be able to help people. And uh, uh, Vicki said, like, their numbers are up. They're con continuing to see more people come and, and utilize this. Uh, to just be tangibly, hey, you're struggling, you're going through it, you have this financial hardship or whatever is going on in your life, we are here. God is with you. 
Now, we can invite people to our free medical clinic, and you should, you know, tell people if they need that or if you need that, but we can also be that for others. Do you know somebody who's, who needs something as basic as that and just to say, hey, God's with you. I'm doing this because I love you, and God loves you, and he's for you, and I'm for you. Uh, we have an opportunity to do that, so keep your eyes open, even if you're like, hey, this is going to be a great time of the year, but notice some people. Maybe some people are, uh, have no place to go for Christmas, and maybe you can invite them in to whatever you're doing. You know, we have that uh, house in the back there with post-its where we are hospitable to people. This could be a great time, not only in December, but even in the winter, to invite people into our home, to be hospitable, to invite them to lunch or to coffee if you just know uh, that they just need somebody to listen to, to be there with them through whatever it is they're going through. And the last thing I'll say, and Liz mentioned this earlier too, is the, the Warrior Giving Project. You know, I would love to see all of those gone as you walk out here. Here's one that just says uh, $50 gas gift card. This, this is a basic need, but as gas prices have fluctuated and have gone up, people need these things to get to work, to be able to pay for their uh, housing, to be able to provide for their family, to be able to be a blessing to those who are struggling so let's be that. May people in Norwalk, may people in our community know that God is with them and is for them. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I'm thankful that you sent Emmanuel, God, with us, for us, uh, in the middle of whatever mess, whatever hardship we're going through, uh, and that you love us. I pray for those that are just hanging on by a thread or about to give up, uh, that they would just turn to you uh, and to know that you are there, you are with them, that you love them, that you're for them, uh, that they wouldn't leave here this morning or if they're watching online, reach out to somebody. Uh, we aren't meant to go through this alone. Uh, may they have someone to walk with them through this, and may they turn to you daily. Pray for those in the room who haven't yet turned to you, uh, and, and I pray that they would do that here this morning for the first time, that they would turn to you to receive this grace of Jesus uh, laying down his life for them, paying the ultimate cost, uh, laying down his life so that they could be forgiven of their sins, so that they could have a right relationship with you and have eternal life, a life of healing, of hope, of comfort, of love now and forever. And I pray for all of us here that we would be the church, that people would know that God is with them by how uh, we love, by how we act, by, and by how we serve. And we do this all in your name and for your glory. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.